Listener Production. Hi there, I'm Madeline Palmer for this extra episode of The Briefing. Armed guards with guns are an unusual sight in Australian public life unless you're at an airport, police or military setting. But one place you will see them outside is Jewish schools, as well as some other faith-based institutions. They're allowed because of special rules drawn up as a result of terror threats linked to the conflict in the Middle East and domestic white supremacist groups. Now, the measures are taxpayer-funded under the federal government's new $50 million Securing Faith-Based Places program. In recent years, under the previous taxpayer-funded Safer Communities Fund, measures have extended to safe rooms, blast-resistance walls and airlocked entrances. While most of the funding for extra security in Australia goes to Jewish and Islamic schools and institutions, some also goes to other faith-based institutions as well. As violence escalates between Israel and Hamas, patches of corresponding unrest and protests have also erupted here in Australia. And ASIO, Australia's intelligence organisation, agree with Director General Mike Burgess yesterday morning announcing they're closely monitoring our risk for violence happening here on home soil. This makes security issues around some of our most vulnerable, including children, all the more important. And threats directed at children in peacetime Australia are hard to comprehend. Daniel Agion is the president of the Jewish Community Council of Victoria. He joins me today on the briefing to tell us more about whether these additional security measures are necessary. Hi, Daniel. Hi, good to be on. While there are clearly some serious and intense issues happening right now between Israel and Palestine, we do need armed guards and additional security measures here in Australia for Jewish schools, synagogues and other faith-based organisations. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, the first thing to mention is, unfortunately, um, within the Jewish community and, and, may I say, within the Islamic community as well, there have been security measures in place for quite some time now, pretty much since 2001, post 9-11. So if you go to a Jewish school or synagogue or communal facility, you will see high fences, you will see guards, and you will often find a lack of identifying features. A modern synagogue these days, very sadly, looks more like an office block than a religious institution. And as you said, a lot of these measures were introduced post 9-11, so quite a while ago. But talk us through some of the other reasons as to why these measures were actually introduced. The reason, quite frankly, is because, and it's sad to say, because of the risk of um, the potential for attack. There was a synagogue in Berlin that was firebombed overnight. Two years ago, there was a mass shooting in a synagogue in Pittsburgh in the U.S., there was that terrible, terrible incident in Christchurch where a person went on a rampage against a series of mosques, from memory, I think three of them, and killed a number of that community of people who were innocently and in their usual way just going to prayer. The present situation, because of what's happening in the Middle East, has led to an elevated threat perception within the community and we are taking precautions, but we're not aware of a particular risk right now. Has the risk intensified in any way, shape or form, considering this conflict that is unfolding in the Middle East, unfortunately? There is an elevated threat level 
and we are taking precautions. Um, the Jewish community has a community security group, which is our private guarding company, principally staffed by volunteers, that does an excellent job. And we're also very much in consultation with local police at the local divisional level, and that's giving us a certain amount of comfort. Um, there's been a couple of isolated incidents in Melbourne and Sydney. So as a consequence of that, there is that elevated threat level, although we haven't detected any specific mm. issue of concern. Definitely, definitely. And I can imagine extremely traumatising for anyone involved. The $50 million Securing Faith-Based Places program grants will improve security at religious schools and preschools, places of worship and faith-based community centres. Uh, grants have been approved in every state and territory across different faith communities, including the Jewish community and the Islamic community who are both feeling particularly vulnerable at the moment. Looking from the states to then the, the federal government as well, we heard from Prime Minister Anthony Albanese yesterday announcing 177 grants under a new $50 million program to further protect faith-based organisations. Will this go far enough, Daniel? So that, that program that was announced, that was actually an existing program. So whether the government brought forward the timing of the announcements, I'm not sure, but the funds that were announced and the organisations to which it, uh, those funds are going, and there are a range of religious organisations, they're Jewish, Muslim, there's some Anglican ones in there, there's a number of them, various religious institutions to, to assist them in upgrading their security. So those applications have already been assessed by the government and as I say, we were, we were waiting an outcome. Whether the government intended to announce it today or have just brought forward the announcement, sorry, yesterday, or, or whether the government has brought it forward because of the present circumstances, we don't really know. Um, yes, it will. Those applications arising prior to the recent events were based upon the need for organisations to have appropriate security in place to protect their institutions, both physical infrastructure and um, guarding security as well. Mm, certainly. And look, do you believe the majority of the funding should go to Jewish organisations considering the current risk that we're, I guess, or the current threat that you're facing? Well, I think it should. And, and it's it's worth noting that when you look at the, um, the list, keeping in mind, of course, that these applications were made before the current environment, there are quite a number of Jewish organisations that were successful in the grant process. But I'm not excluding the possibility of Islamophobic attacks either mm. or attacks on other religious institutions. But I'll give you this. We had here in Melbourne the, the former State Minister for Multicultural Affairs, Colin Brooks, you'd appreciate there's been a recent change of Premier and you know reshuffling of Cabinet and the like. But he, he came to one of our synagogues and met some of our communal leaders. It was in about May of this year. And we did the usual thing. We, we showed him through and, you know, showed him bits and pieces around the synagogue. And then we sat down in a side room. There were 15 to 20 of us to have a chat. And one of the first things he said was, I can't believe that to get into a place of worship, I had to go past a high fence and a, and a guard. Mm -hmm. um, he said, he, he, he identified his Christian faith. And he said, if I, if I want to go to my church, I just walk in. And you have previously mentioned uh, in an article in The Age, synagogues are less open and inviting than they were in your childhood as well. Can you talk us through that comment? Yes, that, that's a comment um, that relates to what I said before about them looking like office blocks. So when I grew up, 
I mean, I'm Melbourne born and bred. So when I used to go to synagogue as a child, it would look like a place of worship. It would have religious symbols on the outside, which it would, which for the Jewish faith is a star of David, obviously, rather than, for example, a cross or a crescent. It would have Hebrew writing indicating the religious significance of the place. So for all intents and purposes from the outside, it would be identified as a place of worship. But if I look at the ones that have been constructed more recently, you would not know. They are, they're drab, they're plain, um, they have very few windows onto the, onto the streets. They are not lit externally from the street. They're basically just concrete walls. Mm. I know I lived down the road from a Jewish school as well. And when I first moved there, I drove past unknowingly, but I did notice the guards and the and the door was, yeah, had bars over the over the front and it was completely, completely unnoticeable. And it's interesting, Daniel, that you say people are feeling really vulnerable at the moment as well. How do you think our Jewish children are feeling? Look, they're, they're, some of them are struggling. Every family that I talk to, it's it's that question of how do you explain things to the children? It's it's, And I think that applies really in any situation of, of trauma. I mean, in, in our situation, um, thankfully, we haven't had anybody injured or worse, but we have a niece who was on one of the first um, government repatriation flights out of Israel and has just landed in um, Sydney just in the last couple of days, and we're very, very relieved to have her back. So the, the kids, of course, are aware of what's happening in, in Israel and in Gaza, and it's a question, I think, of help placating them and helping them to understand that there are bad things happening overseas, but they're safe here. Yeah, really great message there, Daniel. Thank you very much for joining us on The Briefing to discuss this really important topic. Thank you. That was Daniel Agion, the president of the Jewish Community Council of Victoria. And that's it for this extra episode of The Briefing. Tom and the team will be back in your feed from six. Six.